Welcome back to the K-Hole. I'm your host, Merit K. Joining me this week is uh, Twitter user Liv, Liv Posting uh, for, from Twitter. Hello. Thank you for joining us, joining me. Glad to be on. Yeah, well, glad to have you uh, here, mm-hmm. here in the K-Hole. Uh, Them Shapiro as your Twitter yeah, username as, currently is. As many people, including some people I match with on Tinder, know me as Fem Shapiro. Really? It's very excellent, yes. Um, I guess that's my main thing that I'm noticed as, which is it's cool to be the trans version of Fem Shap- or Ben Shapiro. Yeah. It's really, it's good that I'm leaving like a good legacy. It's certainly, you know? it is a legacy. So is that something that happens often? Do you get recognized on places like Tinder? Yes, yes. Uh, it's mainly Tinder. I don't know why specifically Tinder. Um, less in real life, which I'm not sure what's that, what, why that's the case. Um, but I guess it's better than someone calling me Femme Shapiro in real life. That would that would be unsettling, I would imagine. Yeah, that would be rough. Um, I mean, I do it to myself. Well, yeah, I mean, after a while you start to identify with your username or with your image. Um, I, mm-hmm. for a long time, my Twitter avatar was, of course, Elliot Gould mm-hmm. uh, from the film The Long Goodbye. And an interesting effect of that was that it turns out that many people have not seen that film. And so yeah, they I didn't, I didn't know that. They thought that I was Elliot Gould from the 1980s. Mm. And you uh, think that maybe like Elliot Gould sometimes walks around and people are like, "Oh my god, Merritt K from Twitter." That would I think that would be incredible. If if even one person had seen a picture of Elliot Gould and thought of me or thought is that that poster is that that poster from online then to me it would have all been worthwhile exactly Mm -hmm. exactly i can die in peace i can go to the next the next world the next level what do you think happens when we die that's a good question just Um, a soft a softball question for you yeah, just to, you know, these are the things I think about right after I wake up and right before I go to sleep. Yeah. Because, you know, dying is sort of like sleeping. In, it in is a way. akin to sleep. You just, I picture death a lot like just sleep, but for a very long time, possibly forever. You know, where it's like, I'm not too mad about sleeping. So when I'm like, hopefully 80, maybe more than that, that's, that seems like a good time to die. Like, I don't want to be like 120 that, that seems like a like big a hassle. Yeah, like just living at that age. But like when I hopefully around 80 die, then it's just like, oh, I'm just sort of going to sleep. You know? Yeah. That's like, that's not a big deal. Yeah. Maybe I'll wake up. Maybe I won't. You know, if I don't, then I guess, you know, I'm not going to be too mad about it. Well, you won't be able to by definition. Yeah. So it's not too bad. I was reading something interesting about how hunter-gatherer societies, if you made it past like 15, I'm going to try to to, to anti-civ pill the podcast. If you made it Please. past like 15, then most people lived to like 70. Like the, the life expectancy wow. after infant mortality was like 70. Right. Without healthcare, without ac- wow. access to modern healthcare. So they just they just chilled, they vibed. It was like three hours a day of labor for the hunting and gathering. They just, you know, did whatever they wanted. So is that because this we're talking about societies that are pre-surplus, correct? 
Yeah, pre-agriculture. Pre-agriculture, which was a big mistake, I think. It was. Look, I I I agree. Um, and we should just um, return to monkey. I go back. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to do that myself because I like scrolling through Twitter. But but scrolling through Twitter is a behavior that comes from the desire to scroll through the the jungle. The jungle. Yeah. To scroll through the savanna, and when you are scrolling through Twitter you're you're gathering you know you're gathering tweets you're gathering takes you're gathering likes and in much the same way you could be gathering berries mm. for your and when group. i when i quote tweet someone that's like is a is like someone who dates is like a 6'2 guy who dates a 5'1 girl a pedophile if i quote tweet them and say that they're stupid that's like you know your your eyes are on the prey you know, you're 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 attacking. Yes, it's the same sort of sort of sort of hunter instinct. It's the same part of the brain, because mm-hmm. you know people think well. Well, people like to say reality is socially constructed, but but you know there we have these brains that grew out of these contexts, and those patterns of behavior can manifest in other ways. So. The quote tweeting, the mm-hmm. the inflammatory posts, these are all expressions of the same kind of uh, of human behavior that would have predominated in these societies. And of course, I'm not going to say we should kill ninety percent of the population because how could you possibly decide? Mm-hmm. Should you kill a hundred percent of the population? Mm-hmm. Maybe that's it. One hundred. Was that? Are you asking? Me? When? Well, or is that rhetorical? I mean, yes, I yes, yes, it. and no. Because I think when you, if you kill a hundred percent of the population, then it's no longer problematic. Because that's true. You who aren't playing favor. Well, who is there to cancel you? You're not playing favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm essentially saying Thanos was right, but he didn't go far enough. That's true. That's that's Thanos' problem was that balancing when there are people is difficult. You can't balance. When there's no one. When when there's just nature perfectly balanced. The, what is it? The tripping ape theory? The stoned ape theory? I have. I believe that was... Mm-hmm. Was that a McKenna? I think so. I believe I that was so. a Terrence McKenna because I have been reading a little bit about the McKennas recently mm. and their uh, their experiments and their whole whole thing. And it's fascinating. I mean, I think people like to dismiss drug guys the drug guys of you know the 60s and 70s as apolitical and i think there is a tendency among leftists to dismiss consciousness culture as turning away from the collective towards the individual and in ways i think that that is true and in other ways i think it neglects aspects of human experience that uh, are important and can be politically relevant um Hmm. thinking about so you're saying you're saying doing dmt is praxis i'm saying doing dmt is praxis i'm saying smoking dmt getting that good plastic taste 
in your mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it is interesting to think about how LSD was invented as a mind control drug and uh, really quickly spiraled out of control. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, that's the the CIA. They were giving it to like dolphins or whatever. Yes. I think I'm mixing two things well, up. But yeah. you may be thinking of the ketamine dolphin. Right. Uh, I think there was LSD involved in that too. That was John C. Lilly. Who, was that just because he was feeling anxious? He, the dolphin, or did they? They did some some things to dolphins that I think they probably should not have done. They kept them, you know they they flooded a house and had someone live with a dolphin in that house. And hmm. to keep a dolphin on its own, I think is is unethical. And the dolphin actually yeah. did take its own life, which is very sad. Oh. Yeah, um, it, it couldn't deal with like the the reality of living as a housewife in the fifties. It couldn't. It could. I mean, it was a difficult time. Yeah, but as other feminists pointed out at that time, the in many ways to have the security of living at home uh, and not having to work to feed one's family in the workforce was a form of 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 power i hesitate to use the the word privilege because um i feel like this is one of those words that's been evacuated of meaning mm-hmm. by by overuse there yeah there's these words you know yeah that's they sort of lose because of like twitter discourse or whatever, whatever Chastin Buttigieg quote tweets. Now that's a name I haven't heard in a long time. Yeah, I forgot about Chastin. I, you know, I like, I dislike Pete, but honestly, I hope Chastin's doing okay. We all this is wish maybe him the a best. Controversial take. Yeah. He just, he seems like a nice guy and he doesn't have the Pete sort of, you know, rat characteristic. Right, right. He doesn't. He doesn't have the the quality to him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We wish him the best, and we hope he he can extricate himself from the situation. Um, yeah. When I hope he isn't like you know chained up in a basement somewhere. Not not accusing Pete Buttigieg of because that's you know libel or whatever. But I'm just saying if that was the thing that happened. And that's that's how Pete and Chastin's relationship works. I hope that Chastin is okay. We all hope he's okay. Mm-hmm. Now, when rats die, mm. rats do rats go to? Do rats go to heaven? Do rats go to heaven? Is what I'm because asking. Because we know we know dogs do. We know right? all dogs do, because of yeah, the movie. Yeah. I'm gonna say that some rats go to heaven. Interesting. Because I feel like you know dogs are very pure, and like rats can be pure. They can be your 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 house pet, or they could cause a lot of problems. You know, infestation, make people sick, and I think those types of rats maybe God would look at less favorably. Fascinating. I still I still have the position that I know I know dogs go to heaven and maybe some rats do, but I don't think but I don't know if we do. I think maybe when we when we die we just go to sleep forever. Oh. So this is sort of yeah. a theory that animals have souls, but humans have kind of evolved beyond soul Mm -hmm. having i'm I'm unconvinced that humans have souls but animals yeah definitely do a question yeah easily it's a sort of an anti-descartes position because i think descartes was a bitch say more say more um you know like you'd think therefore you are like yeah right dude it sounds sort of dumb you know, 
like you know not that it's wrong but that it's sort of obvious like of course i think too i of course i am you fucking well idiot. i mean it's easy to say that now from in hindsight of course but mm. in 600 bc right people don't think they didn't They're i guess yeah they didn't there was a sort of a crisis in 600 bc of like do we exist who are we and then descartes was like nah we think therefore i we are yeah and then he solved the sort of crisis i guess yeah he cut the gordian sort knot of, mm-hmm. i yes absolutely I guess maybe it's sort of privileged of me to look back on him and say, you're an idiot, of course we are, because we didn't know. Well, I think it's very big of you to admit that. You know, the point of philosophy is to grow as a person. Is The point of philosophy he, is to stand on the shoulders of a giant and then to right. have a slightly smaller person standing on your shoulders and so on well, and so be, forth. That and might be pedophilia. It might be. But if someone half as tall as you was standing on top of mm-hmm. you and someone as half as tall as them was standing on top of them, would you ever get to the moon oh that's a good question um what do we mean by the moon metaphorically speaking the moon is a place of uh uh you know the night um the sacred feminine the Mm. um that's an that's interesting does that mean that the the sacred feminine can only be reached through teamwork maybe perhaps did you ever read Neil Gaiman? No. Don't. Yes. Okay. I'm thinking of a particular Sandman story in which some people are unable to reach the moon because that sounds scary. Well, the moon takes some characters on a magical adventure, and uh, one character is denied entrance to the moon and uh when she asks why uh a character explains that the moon sees through all of your efforts and uh the moon the moon the moon's energy knows that you are not what you say you are and that you uh uh are not truly welcome on the moon so, um, kind of grim. So the moon sort of sees through the fake? The moon sees through what you might call the fake. Um, I mean, that's a good question. Does, does gender exist? That's a great question. Should it exist? Should it, it does exist. exist? If it does exist, should we? Do, if it doesn't, should we make it exist? If gender did not exist, then we would have to invent it. Hmm. Would we? I guess. I, th- I think we did. I guess. Or the moon does, I think. The moon decides. What your gender is? Sort of a sorting hat situation? Sort of a sorting hat. The moon, in many ways, is the sorting hat of the earth. Sort of sits right. up above the earth, passing judgment down on it. Mm-hmm. Moving the tides. Moving the tides. It's a, it's a bunch of stuff. Saying Huffle Muff. Right. Which is high tide. Griffin Slore. Which is medium tide. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeffrey. 
That's the lowest tide. Absolutely. Those are the three, yeah. Those are the yeah, three. The three genders. Yeah. Hufflepuff, Griffin Slur, and uh, Jeffrey. Remember when Young Thug was calling himself Jeffrey for a long time? I don't remember that was, those. Um, that was him being femme. Oh. I think. I think that works. Identifying that with the low together. tide. Because mm-hmm, he was like wearing dresses and stuff. Do you remember when Two Chance was calling himself Titty Boy? I do, and I sort of, I sort of miss that. We all do. I, I, I wanted like that sort of representation, even though I'm not a boy, but like of like appreciating titties in popular culture. Just, and I feel like we sort of lost it. I feel like we, we lost this moment of appreciating. Titties. The titties, thank you. I have a hard time saying it. That's that's understandable. I'm with you. Um, I, have a, I have a difficult time saying. You know, there there's still words that uh, they're, they're difficult to say. Um, I have a trauma from hmm. telling my editors that the word was spelt with one T prior to the Y. And being corrected over and over again and being invalidated. And mm-hmm. I mean, let's not mince words, gaslighted. Mm-hmm. Gaslit. Absolutely. Right. Gaslit. Uh, That's t- the big problem is, is people don't want to admit that it's one T. People don't want to admit this. And um, you know what? Language is uh, flexible. Uh, language Taste. language is, is flexible and, and linguistics... Uh, should be descriptive. Well, should be descriptive. I say should be in that's being prescriptive. So I've that's true. I've you're sort of living your truth. I've ruined my own argument. I but, guess. Um, but you know, we could make we could unprescribe language if we want to. We could we do it. Could we? I think so. Maybe not. I guess that's also prescriptive. Well. I think. No one's quite sure. It's sort of open to discussion. It's open to debate. It's open to analysis. It's open to consideration. Um, Words. (laughs) We uh, always this these arguments about words. Yeah, which you know they they all these arguments started when when. Some some random you know monkey, in wherever monkeys started, you know found found some DMT and he smoked it. And then he was like, "I'm using words now, right?" Mm. Mm. And so, if we think about it, you know, the next step, the sort of being the big baby over 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 the earth in two thousand one. Will probably also come from someone smoking DMT. Do you think? Do you think maybe like we'll 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 create more language, or will will language go away in the next sort of stage? I think what we've been seeing is a proliferation of language online of texts and of meanings and of arguments over meanings. And I think we need, if anything, less language. Mm. I think we, I could see a future where humanity merges into a single fluid entity and Mm. we have no further need for language. We just understand each other. We just understand each other. And I think the reason why people fear that sort of possibility as it's presented in so many science fiction films is because of capital. Mm. I'll just, I'll say it. I'll say it. Mm -hmm. I think they don't want to say it. They don't want to say it, but I'm going to say it on here. It's my show, so I can say this. Um, I think that this fear of the mass, 
whether it's zombies or some kind of blob monster, is a fear of of communism. Hmm. Sort of invasion of the body snatchers, right? Yeah. But with all horror. Right. Right. Yeah. And um, so, what do we do? We just we we come up with more language and we come up with more terms to explain our situation, to explain ourselves to each other. And we say, this is what this term means. And someone says, well, no, it doesn't because I use that term, but I don't do that thing that you say. So the term expands and language is inflated and inflated like a balloon, like a character in Willy Wonka's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, like a big blueberry. And at some point it's going to pop. Mm -hmm. And sort of society is Augustus Gloop. Society is Augustus Gloop. Mm -hmm. Just very, just drinking at the well of language, drinking at the Mm -hmm. chocolate fountain of language. many thoughts just head full Mm -hmm. we need to sort of the what marx was getting at in capital was was that our head should be empty our minds we should not use language to communicate we should think less and that the more we think the more capitalist it is i mean i haven't read that particular text in some time but that sounds accurate Mm-hmm. I mean, I, that was a I would, direct quote. I would actually. believe you. I mean, because you're thank you sort of a an expert um, mm-hmm. on this kind of thing. I, yes, I'm a I'm a a communist expert, and I will say that the main purpose of communism is to not speak. And it's sort of interesting that to articulate that you have to speak. You know, you do. Like, well, I mean, it's much it's, like. The Tao that can be spoken is not the Tao, but mm-hmm. you have to speak to talk about the Tao. Right. Is this, so, uh, is this stock market advice we're giving now? Uh, <laughs> or I guess, I guess more just like, you know, how to push the stock market down because that's, you know, praxis. Right. To destroy the stock market um, is praxis. What... Uh, <laughs> So things that are practice, praxis, practice, right. praxis. I I think it's connected. The word, the two words. I think there may be some kind of connection there. I think you're right. Mm-hmm. Um, so praxis, destroying the stock market, mm-hmm. uh, not, not not using, speaking. not speaking, is gaming praxis. Oh, that's a good question. Hmm. I guess it's sort of you know it's it's a the the vessel of the you know the xbox or the ps3 can be one that is used for praxis but it can also be used for evil Mm. and and by that i mean you know you get into the modern warfare 2 lobby and there are there are 12 year olds saying slurs on there and you respond like hey you you know what you're doing is you're using language and you're making more language and that as we've we've said before, is bad. So I think some games with voice chat, or you know, you play Among Us and you say, "Oh, it's not me." Even if you type it, that's language. That's true. So I think video games have a very dangerous capacity. So games where so Tetris, I would say, 
is Praxis. I would I would conceptualize Tetris as Praxis, yes. Uh, Tetris, one of the great communist video games. That's true. Not enough people are talking about this. Very few people. I guess it's, I would say it's fine that they're not talking. I guess it's fine because as we've established, every word that comes out of your mouth is anti-praxis. But Tetris, mm-hmm. one of the biggest video games of all time, and uh, from the former Soviet Union. That's true. Coincidence? Think not. Because, you know, what's the point of Tetris is to just clear your head of all words. You're not thinking at all. There's no thoughts. There's just, I want to fit the the line piece into the hole. But you're not thinking that. You're understanding it without language. under communism you know I'd like to argue that video games in their core while they provide like a a good potentially good base for praxis that at the end of the world you know the end of history there will be no gamers I think I think the position there's a difference between gaming and gamers but if you have video games you produce gamers and and gamers are a very dangerous and reactionary social class they 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 reproduce ideology you know capitalism they make the stock market go up they do a lot of things a lot of things you know they talk a lot a lot of things we've gone over that are the opposite of praxis. And if they didn't have video games, they wouldn't be gamers. I think we need to think of a world in which, you know, we need to use our imagination to think of a world beyond gamers. You know, uh, I think Slavoj Žižek has that quote, that it's easier to imagine the end of the world than it is to imagine the end of gamers. And we need to try to do that. Right, right. I once almost saw Slavoj Žižek speak Mm. in Northern England when I was was, uh, in an exchange program at the time and uh, attending a school in the north of England for a year. Mm. And uh, Žižek came to our school to give a talk. And I uh, believe I decided to see a Queens of the Stone Age concert instead. Mm. But I learned I probably was, just as much yeah, I was as I would say, have. That's a good idea. I think that's fine. I think, I think Zizek sort of ran out of things to say. So he's, he's been... He's been saying some controversial stuff. Been running on fumes. Yes, yes, I I think so. I'm actually, you know, one of Zizek's uh, distant relatives. Really? This is, yes. um, Most most, um, Southern Slavs, because I'm Serbian, are related to each other. They don't want to tell you this, but it's very, very connected group of people. And he's Slovenian. So, you know... It would be more like a family reunion. And I'm not really, you know, I don't want to do that. No, why so would I, you? I could have, I, I was in Toronto when Peterson and Zizek were debating. And I, I just, I didn't want to, I didn't want it. 
Mm-hmm. And well, I mean, in many ways, that's an alien versus predator sort of situation. Absolutely. And it's like, who do you root for? Right. No matter who wins, we lose. Now, I don't think that drug addiction is, as a rule, funny. (laughs) But. But. The idea of someone whose entire shtick is telling people to get control of their life and to... Uh, yeah. To take command over their world. Uh, and stop whining about, you know, feminism or sexism. And stop whining and all of these things. The idea of this kind of person falling into benzodiazepine addiction, there is something of a... It has an element of a... Uh, I would say it's objectively speaking ironic. It is ironic. It has this kind of ancient Greek uh, tragedy, comedy quality to it of, Mm -hmm. uh, well, you've been telling us all these things and your own life is a disaster and you are in a coma and your daughter is feeding you nothing but red meat. Mm -hmm. And um, it's... It's interesting because in in Poetics by Aristotle, um, we he lost we sort of lost the second half of it, the comedy section. We only have the tragedy, right? But we right. can sort of piece we can sort of piece together what he means about comedy. And one of the things he hints at is if said if you sound like Kermit the Frog and you whine all the time, then you're the perfect sort of comedic character for us to laugh at. Mm. I find that very very sort of coincidental given the context prophetic it is yeah and in a lot of ways aristotle was sort of the ancient greek nostradamus in many ways yes in many ways in many ways mm-hmm. i'm also technically i think related to peterson's uh grandson because michaela i believe had um had her child with a Serbian yes. person. Yes. And who is who is also a um a Stalinist. Really? Which is very interesting. Now would you yes. describe yourself as a Stalinist? Um, you know, I would I would say that in, in a lot of ways that uh, you know the the phrase Stalinist is sort of uh yes, I would say yes. I would say that yeah. In in a certain sense, you know, you want to um, condemn the Soviet Union, or say maybe we don't want to build there is a government this, that's this like impulse, that. Yes, mm-hmm. but but also it's funny to say you're a Stalinist. So, well, so no think, argument here. Should, yeah, it's the the sort of the the Slavoj Žižek technique and as i stated before as he is a distant relative of mine you know we have a very similar mindset when it comes to that Mm. would you consider yourself a stalinist now i uh now i oppose all isms Mm. Of, of all of all stripes, um, mm-hmm. I uh, I I would say that I am a. Uh, I think ites though ites are fine. Oh, so okay. a, a Trotskyite. 
Mm. Uh, a Lennon light. Right. Famously. What about a what about a the famous use of the word Stalinite? A Stalinite sounds kind of like a some sort of warrior. So that mm-hmm. to me is is good. So it feels like a rock formation, you know. It does like you go if, into a cave? It does. Like, it's a Stalinite. It's a Stalinite growing from the wall. You've heard of Mm-hmm. Uh, st- stalactites. You've heard of stalagmites. This is a stalinite. Mm-hmm. Get ready. They don't want to talk about this. They the stalinites. They tamp those down in the 1980s. Um, mm-hmm. The the capitalists. Uh, but uh, no, I'm broadly sympathetic to the the causes mm-hmm. to the cause. Uh, I would say that I, uh, I am distrustful of a uh, a strong state apparatus. Uh, mm-hmm. While at the same time, I understand the arguments mm-hmm. for the necessity of a an interim tyranny of the proletariat. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you look at Marx and you see his what he writes about the state. And about like you know the Paris Commune, for instance, mm, mm. and 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 what how he thought that the, maybe the state apparatus wasn't the the best mode for bringing forward socialism. Maybe there was more, maybe more of a suspicion of his. But then you realize, you know, how are you debating this? How are you thinking about this in your head? And it's through language. It is, and then you realize that's totally the wrong way of going about it. That's totally not what Marx would have wanted. It's it's not. Um, there's a uh, a quote from uh, Dionysius the Areopagite, Areopagite, who is it's another rock formation. Also a rock formation who was a convert to Christianity in the first century. Uh, fascinating figure because there was also someone named Pseudo Dionysius the Areopagite who was in the 5th to 6th century, he used that name and as a result confused quite a lot of theologians. But there's a quote from him where he says, let thy speech be better than silence or be silent. And I think that's very true. That's mm. very true. Uh, uh, the, the, the kicker, of course, being that it's impossible for speech to be better than silence mm-hmm. or to be better than noise. I think there's value right. in sound. There's value in noise and speech. Not, not so much. sure. Not Maybe. so sure. go to bed and I put on my noise machine and it makes me feel more at ease mm. um, and you know if, if I put on a talking machine that would be no good at all a talking machine I'm trying to envision mm-hmm. what such a machine might might look like mm-hmm. and um, it's horrifying yeah it's, it's terrifying the idea of just producing speech just more speech out of nothing more is- speech more speech more words Talk, talk, talk. Yeah, no no good at all. The irony, of course, is that in discussing this, we are contributing to the problem, but mm-hmm. I think that the trouble with any kind of desire to return is that it's impossible, that mm-hmm. people will say we should return to a hunter-gatherer lifestyle, we should return to mm-hmm. pre-modernity. And uh, how do you propose that we do that, though? We're here. 
Yeah. This is it. And uh, it's a fantasy to, to believe that we could simply return. Um, mm-hmm. You can't, you can't unstone the ape that developed language. You can't unstone the ape. That's true. It's very true. Mm-hmm. What we can hope for, I believe, is the eventual destruction of humanity. And I don't mean within the next five mm-hmm. or ten years necessarily, but at some point it will happen. Mm-hmm. And uh, the rise of some new sort of life that won't be dependent on language, that will learn from our mistakes, that will uh, discover a new way to exist and to cooperate. And I think many animals do this already. Mm. And I think if we look to the mushroom, I think that is a very exciting possibility of uh, these these networks of communication that uh, communicate without language, without words, through mm-hmm. chemical channels, horizontally. horizontally, rhizomes, and things of that mm-hmm. nature. Right. Do you think that maybe, like magic mushrooms, that that's the next stage of development? Like, so the ape tried DMT and developed language, and then we try the mushroom, and in that high effect, we develop some sort of communication pattern that is rhizomatic, that that mirrors the way that the mushroom talks. I think that may be, may be accurate. I think that may be true. Um, I think if we could find some way to dose the globe with mushrooms mm. and sort of unite everyone in a sort of uh, net of communication, of nonverbal communication through access to this, uh, I was going to say plant, but of course mushrooms famously not plants. Mm-hmm. Um, through this form of life, I think we could create a second, better network like the internet, but but cutting out the need for language. Mm-hmm. Just a pure, just uncut understanding through chemicals. Precisely, precisely, precisely. Mm-hmm. I think that's what Deleuze talks about in his book about mushrooms. I think it's titled Magic Mushrooms. I do them a lot. By, and by I Deleuze. live by that. By Deleuze. <laughs> yeah. A report. On his experiences. Guattari was not involved in this. Guattari no. disowns this. He mm-hmm. disavows the existence of this work. But Deleuze. Yeah. This is all Deleuze. Yeah, I think Guattari was not a fan of uh, drugs. Mm. He was a, you know, a, a psychiatrist. He was worried about the the potential effects. You know, I think he read the 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 experiments with dolphins by the CIA mm. and that that poor housewife who ended her life tragically, who was also a dolphin as a result of that. And he didn't he didn't think that magic mushrooms offered any revolutionary capacities. But I think that he's wrong. I disagree. Well, I would agree with your disagreement. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that civilization is unnatural. It's a futile and blasphemous attempt by man to impose order on an inherently unordered creation. And I think we should embrace naturism and live as God intended, wild and free. Mm-hmm. I could not have said it better myself. Well, uh, I think maybe that is a good place to wrap things up. Uh mm-hmm. Liv, if people want to hear more of your thoughts, where can they do that? Um, I stream like every other day on uh, Twitch. My Twitch is Liv Posting. However much I do not wish to admit that I'm a Twitch streamer, that is what I am now. And also, of course, on Twitter. Twitch streaming is a legitimate 
uh, occupation, a pastime, mm. a uh, it's America's pastime. Mm. America runs on it. Me. Well, you're welcome. Yes. You know, we all need to be told that we are valid at times. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, if if you would like to hear more uh, from Liv on Twitter, uh, mm. that is at Liv Posting. Mm-hmm. Thank you for so joining you me. You may know me as Femme Shapiro. Sorry. <laughs> Thank you for joining me. And uh, I will see you all next time. The K-Hole is a fanbyte.com production hosted by Merritt K and produced by Jordan Mallory. Find Merritt on Twitter at Merritt K. Find Jordan on Twitter at Jordan underscore Mallory. For more information on language and how to communicate without it, visit fanbyte.com slash podcasts.